0: you're listening to marcus sahaba online radio podcast
1: yes sir, people the time of the evening uh, where you join us on wasail uh, al-alama truthful news and alhamdulillah Summa alhamdulillah here on this uh, platform uh, we uh, differentiate uh, between the truth and uh, mainstream media you know how it feeds you and it gives you that type of news uh, which it uh, uh which uh, you know makes you think yeah are you a uh, people or you are a sheeple but uh, george galloway the host of the mother of all talk show host and also the one uh, that uh, stands up against uh, the lies uh, perpetrated by mainstream news uh, will be uh, giving us uh, quite a um, a lesson uh, this evening so i want you to sit back and enjoy george galloway bismillah
2: gallant officers of the military There's an awful lot of fighters in here. Have you noticed they're all ready to fight. I would have opposed this motion in 1933 for the reasons adumbrated by my colleagues in their opening speeches. In fact, I would have been the first in the queue at the recruiting office had I been alive to fight fascism. Indeed, I would have been agitating to fight fascism in Spain three years before the Second World War in 1936, both of my grandfathers fought fascism under Montgomery all the way from El Alamein to Monte Cassino. I'm a former boy soldier, Lance Bombardier, Royal Artillery, Battery Two, Army Cadet Force. I'm a former cadet in the Royal Marines, at Poole in Dorset. I'm not a pacifist. In fact, I'll go five rounds with Tobias Elwood after the debate if he's up for it. (laughs) And I'm twice his age. Arguing against this motion have already damned most of the wars that I came here to oppose. You you even opposed the First World War and the Afghan War and the Iraq War. <laughs> Tobias Elwood tells us he opposed the Iraq War. I missed that when I was leading the fight against it. But I am delighted that nowadays you cannot find anyone who will support these wars that our politicians gave us in this 21st century. You are quite wrong. Yes. I don't agree with the intervention. Those cases, a better case could have been made for the Falklands. An intervention I did support. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Because that was a direct attack on British people. British citizens and I supported it but the examples you give are not good ones I'm sorry I gave way to you I'm not going to dwell on the king it's just as well he's got a divine right to be king because nobody would ever have picked him least of all his own family on this day in 1649 on this day the rump parliament A better Parliament than we have today passed the following motion the office of a king in this land is unnecessary burdensome and dangerous to the life and liberty and public interest of the people of this nation I wish the Parliament would pass that motion today I'm not going to dwell on the king for it would be an absurdity as has been acknowledged here that because King Charles tells you you've got to go and fight and die in a war, you're going to do it utterly absurd. So let's turn to country. Who is the country? What is the country? Who are you going to fight for? Rishi Sunak? <laughs> you know you upbraided the lack of height of my colleague. Have you seen Rishi Sunak? <laughs> Keon okay, on Sunak's shoulders, you still wouldn't even get a Napoleon. These are small men. Are you really going to follow? Give them a blank check. Yes, I'll fight for you. Rishi Sunak, you only have to roll the name or his predecessor. What was her name? (laughs) Liz Truss? Are you telling me that if Liz Truss said you had to go to war and die, you'd do it? Because she was the Prime Minister Tony Blair Tony Blair, yes I knew you were an I knew you were an idiot from the sunglasses that you are of a million people and counting who cascaded fanatic Islamist extremism around the world. You called them spores, the murder cult of ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the head-chopping, throat-cutters, the million dead Iraqis, and you want to do it all again by signing a blank check to Tobias Elwood? He told you, did you notice the word that he The caveat that he slipped in for you. There's no conscription yet, he said. Did you notice it? He was on television less than two weeks ago calling for martial law to be introduced in this country. In which case, I saw your lips move on Sky News. I saw your lips move on Sky News. And if we had martial law we wouldn't be having this debate and it might not be long before you can take off your fur hat and put on a tin one and go off to fight and die on the question of whether Kupiansk is on one side of a line when it's been in four different countries in the last hundred years you are ready to die for that? because I'm not And I'm not ready, for sure, to give a blank check to politicians to command my loyalty. My loyalty is to God, to my religion. I believe in St. Thomas Aquinas' concept of the just war. I'll fight in a just war. If somebody attacks us, I'll fight them. Getting on in years as I am. I'll tell my son to go and fight them. All of my sons, all of my daughters, for a just cause. But you're not fighting for a just cause if you sign up to the concept that you will fight for king and country because that's an unqualified commitment that you are making. My colleague was mocked for pointing out that there are circumstances in which... What does that bell mean, by the way? Some people have spoken for 20 minutes. (laughs) She pointed out there are circumstances in which we would fight. Now, I, I saved this last bit for little Ben Wallace, who I was told was coming here tonight. And frankly, he's the only reason I'm here and he didn't show up. You're going to fight with what... With what? You said I'd attack Tommy Atkins. I never have. I attack the donkeys that exploit the lives and limbs of the lions that they send into these wars. You will never hear me attack an individual British soldier. Far from it. I'm one of the volunteers of Jim Davidson's Care After Combat looking after people that have been abandoned by the politicians that gaily sent them into war. Where is Tommy Atkins? He's on the streets with the homeless people. Where is Tommy Atkins? He's in the mental health hospital, damaged and abandoned by those that sent him into war. Where is Tommy Atkins? He's disproportionately in the prison system and not as a warder. Where is Tommy Atkins? He's disproportionately hooked on drugs. He's in Piccadilly Gardens in Manchester. I've picked him up myself, hooked on fentanyl and all these new opioids. That's what Tommy Atkins ends up doing in Tory Britain. They send these men off to war filled with their fake Patriotism, king and country, straw hats and trumpets. And when they come back, they have no use for them. They leave them to rot on the streets without houses, jobs, futures, hope. So don't come here and wave your flags at me. Don't come here and sound the tinny brass trumpet of your patriotism. Yes, we will fight for the working people of this country. Yes, we will fight for the good things about our way of life. By the way, when did you fall out of love with using armed force to take territory? We we controlled 25% of the entire world's surface and ruled one third of the people of the world under our flag. All of it taken by armed conquest. All of those people held in subjugation by the British Empire. And now they want to parade (coughs) as if they were Boy Scouts that oppose the acquisition of other people's territory by force. These hypocrites. Robert Burns, my national poet, put it this way. In an ode on the occasion of a national thanksgiving Ye hypocrites, are these your pranks? To murder men and gee God thanks? (laughs) Halt, desist, go nay further. God will no accept your thanks for murder, I move. And he will, I think, be a big figure in American political future. I hope so. Anyway, he's Jackson Hinkle, the U.S. For joining us, your president was in Kiev doling out more hundreds of millions of U.S. dollars when a mushroom cloud hung over Ohio and the toxic effects of an inevitable railway crash due to the crumbling infrastructure of your country were left unattended, at least by the president. I see Donald Trump is there today, never one to miss an opportunity. Was this just complacency on the part
0: of Biden or something worse? I think it's something worse. I think it shows that Joe Biden does not put Americans first as he is fulfilling the duties of being president of the United States. He's putting the deep state agenda first. He's putting the military industrial complex first because every single time he signs off on another check for more artillery, more munitions, more bullets, more tanks, more maybe even, you know, fighter jets soon enough for Ukraine. It's more money in the pockets of the CEOs and the shareholders of Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin and all of the other military industrial complex companies. So, uh Donald Trump being in East Palestine, Ohio is great. I think, you know, he truly does care about these people. He went with over 14,000 bottles of water to hand out to the individuals that are suffering at the hands of this massive environmental uh, you know, uh, catastrophe that's underway with this what they're calling a controlled burn of a train derailment car- carrying chemicals, uh, and you know, it's it's also just goes to show that the Democratic Party has not the slightest care in the world for the citizens of America. I mean. Even from a point of view from a political strategist, don't you think, George, that it would make more sense if you have the aim of getting votes and winning the sympathy of the American people to actually at least act like you care about the American people if you're president of the United States?
2: Uh, uh, Any adult uh, who's in politics would know the optics, as they put it nowadays, uh, of that. You're swanning around, or not quite swanning, uh, staggering around on a a red carpet in Kiev uh, when uh, the people are uh, terrified, petrified, not just in East Palestine, Ohio, but in those areas, fully one-third of the people of the United States who draw in part on the Great River, Ohio, for their water supplies, the optics any fool could see would be uh, extremely negative. But isn't this, in microcosm, Jackson, exactly the strategic choice that U.S. uh, rulers have made? You can have bullet trains, or you can have bullets and give them away to your pet dictatorships. China's infrastructure is bright, shining, new, and its trains rapid, quick, and safe. The United States trains are running on railways that would disgrace Kathmandu in the richest and most powerful country in
0: the world. This is a choice that your rulers have made, isn't it? Of course it 's a choice, and it 's as you know full well it 's not just our infrastructure. I mean we have sixty thousand Americans that die every year because we don 't have access to uh, you know universal health care in this country. We have uh, five hundred to six hundred thousand Americans that are homeless and are wondering where they 're going to get their next meal each and every day uh, it 's a crisis what 's underway right now with the state of the economy in our country it 's getting worse uh, just as it is in the United Kingdom. And again, Joe Biden has no care in the world for this, as you put it, whether it's sending billions to fund a proxy war, a real war rather, in Afghanistan or Iraq, or a dirty war in Syria to try and topple the Assad government, uh, or, you know, regime change operations underway in Iran, or now this proxy war that we're witnessing uh, in Ukraine against Russia and probably what's going to be a world war that eventually takes place with China over Taiwan. Uh, What's clear is that the United States government is far more focused on influencing other governments uh, taking control, taking hostage of sovereign people all across the world, rather than actually investing in our country and, and trying to improve the lives of everyday Americans. And that's why the American empire is crumbling, because it's forgotten our people here at home. Uh, even Vladimir Putin in his Federal Assembly speech yesterday pointed this out. He says that the American government has forgotten about its people. It's more concerned with trying to maintain its hegemonic rule across the world. Uh, and that's why countries like, frankly, Russia and China are rising to the occasion. And so many people see the success, the economic, cultural, um, and, you know, uh, religious success of the countries of like Russia and China, multicultural um, countries. They see it as hope for the future of their own nation. So, yeah, it is very disappointing. And as an American, I hope that at some point in the near future, we get someone in the office of the presidency who at least has some semblance of care for the American public.
2: There's an increasing disjunction, though, between American rhetoric and uh, reality. Uh, I mentioned in my monologue at the beginning a statement this evening from, uh, from the Pentagon warning threatening China with consequences should it deepen its ties with Russia. Coming from the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, one ineluctably infers uh, that this means military uh, consequences. Now, leaving aside the gigantic hubris of that, the arrogance of Ordering another nuclear superpower, who it can be friends with, leave that aside. What can the Americans do about China and Russia deepening their friendship? The answer is zilch.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just the same exact week that, you know, famed journalists, uh, Seymour Hirsch publishes his an incre- his incredible piece about how the United States colluded with the Norwegians uh, to blow up the Nord Stream One and Two pipelines of our own ally Germany in one of the largest industrial terror attacks in human history. They have the audacity the United States has the audacity to tell China that they can't ally with Russia. These are two sovereign nations. And, you know, also worth noting at the same time, we are ramping up escalations with China by making up all these crazy lies about Taiwan, saying that, you know, Taiwan is not part of China. It's not governed by Beijing. Uh, we are trying to actively, the United States government is trying to destroy um, you know, peace deals that we've had with China uh, for decades and decades now surrounding this very question of Taiwan. In addition to that, we just put up four new military bases, I believe in the Philippines this week, uh, to further encircle China. And I mean, it sh- it's just insane. It's ludicrous. China is a sovereign state. They should be able to do what they want when they want it without the fear of the United States launching, you know, a World War III based on their ally with uh, Russia. But You know, to make matters worse, of course, everything that the United States has done over the past several decades, especially in Russia and also in China, have just turned these two nations far closer to each other. If the U.S. wanted to create a new Sino-Soviet split by starting this proxy war in Ukraine on February 24th of last year, well, they failed immensely and they've gotten Russia a whole lot closer to China economically, militarily and diplomatically as well.
2: So, uh, although you are making light work of hobby balloons and, uh, and uh, Super Bowl blimps, your Air force, at least at the third time of asking, managed to polish them off. Is there any... Was that just a, a diversion, Jackson? Was it just a gag? Uh, or are the US leadership suffering the ridicule that they ought to be suffering for that whole
0: uh, Balloongate fiasco. I have no idea what that was, but all I do know is when you have every single media outlet in the country uh, constantly talking about how there's UFOs flying above the sky and no one knows what they are and the government is launching $400,000 heat-seeking missiles at them, well, it causes a lot of people to lose focus on the meat and potatoes of what they really should be focusing on. Like, again, the fact that Seymour Hersh had just released this incredible article exposing how the U.S. orchestrated the largest industrial terror attack in recent history on our own ally in Germany. So, uh, yeah, I think it was an effort to uh, give the American public a shiny thing, a shiny object to look at when they should be focused on the crimes, the brutality, and the arrogance of our leadership in this country.
2: Yeah, not so much don't look up, but please, please look up. Look up, look anywhere except uh, down at what we are achieving. Lastly, uh, you mentioned Putin's speech, uh, and he made another one uh, today in a packed stadium, which certainly looked like quite a gig. Uh, He seemed very confident to me, uh, entirely lacking in the fake uh, braggadocio that accompanied uh, Joe Biden's rather tinny uh, speech in Warsaw, but he did encapsulate in his address uh, something that may be of lasting importance. He he pitched this confrontation in civilizational terms. He demarcated a civilization which is Russia, differentiating it from other civilizations. It's been passed to us, he said, and we must preserve and pass it on. He talked about the West as decadent and depraved, and it's not hard to see what he was on about. It's not hard, just look around you, and you'll see on television, on the internet, in the new wokeness that is everywhere like a virus in our public bodies, even in our education systems. It's not hard to see what Putin was uh, was talking about. And unlucky for Western rulers, there are many, many people in Western countries agree with Putin on these matters, which may, of course, have been the reason why he identified this uh, stream in his uh, stream of consciousness but i would have thought in america certainly in britain it is the case that most people are social conservatives cultural conservatives with a small c they don't like the way our
0: society and our world has become is it the same in the u.s of course and i think you're right that many people in america did resonate with what putin had to say in his federal assembly speech regarding the rich cultural values that russia is trying to preserve in their country right now and i think it would probably be accurate to say that russia views what's happening right now with this proxy war against their nation as, um, you know, it's not just something that they have to defend in the face of Nazism, but they're defending their country, their humanity in the face of Satanism. I mean, this truly is an absolute war. Uh, it's a war, not just against the West or the ephemeral States of Ukraine. It's something much, much deeper than that. The Russian people understand that Vladimir Putin definitely understands that. And that's what he, um, you know, he analyzed so well in his speech yesterday. And I think that, uh, well, I think that maybe some Western leaders like Joe Biden and Victoria Newland will be shocked to see just how many Americans were tweeting out their support and their praise for Putin's speech yesterday. Because like him or not, uh, like what he's doing in Ukraine or not, uh, most people, like you said, all across the world understand that, yes, these traditional values are innate to human life. And we do treasure them. We do value them. Putin saying that we should not be sexualizing children like they're doing in the West right now is not all that radical of an idea. I think most people on the planet will agree with that. But for some reason, that's now become a radical opinion to hold in the United States as corporations, governments and schools are all doing just that. So I was happy to see his speech and specifically. So Russia may or may not be going to build more nuclear weapons
2: may or may not be going to improve the quality of the nuclear weapons it already has. But every way you slice it or dice it, it means that we are edging ever closer to a nuclear confrontation between East and West. And if you didn't think that, if you thought I might be exaggerating, you did not see the statement from the Pentagon in the last couple of hours. I'll paraphrase, but only very marginally, only because I don't have it in front of me. The Pentagon issued the following statement, that China will face consequences in the event of it deepening its ties with Russia. Just ponder that statement for a moment. Ponder first the exceptionalism of one nuclear superpower ordering another nuclear superpower with whom it may deepen relations. Ponder its effect on the Chinese people, 1.6 billion of them, who thought that their country was long past listening to orders from foreigners about who or whom they can be friendly with or what they can or cannot do ponder its impact on the chinese leadership about to announce this weekend peace proposals to try and bring about a negotiated end to the ukraine russia conflict before it escalates into world war 3 imagine the reckless, feckless, fearsomely stupid official in the Pentagon who chose this moment to warn, threaten China that it will face consequences. Now, what consequences do the Pentagon have in mind? The Pentagon being the Department of Defense. One presumes... The Pentagon only speaks on military matters. In other words, they were not threatening, I don't know, sanctions on TikTok. They were not threatening new restrictions on Huawei. The Department of Defense threatening China with consequences is a military threat. How will it be answered by China? I'm not a China Expert, though I'm going there next month, seeking to become rather more expert. But my guess is this, that this Pentagon warning took us another step closer to World War III. It cemented the close strategic partnership between Russia and China even more concretely. And when you imagine, That for decades it was official United States policy to keep China and Russia as far apart from each other as possible and if possible to have them at each other's throats as a piece of statecraft. The Pentagon, Pelosi, the provocations over Taiwan over and over and over again has achieved the precise opposite of that which Kissinger and Nixon and Brzezinski and Carter and all presidents since have sought to employ. So we'll talk about the war, not just in Europe, but the war in Syria, against Syria, as it still shivers and shudders, Under the impact of not one, but two earthquakes in the last seven days, Israel began its relentless bombardment of downtown Damascus again. Israel moved its armed forces into a city of some importance to me. Forty years ago, I twinned my own hometown of Dundee with the Palestinian town, now city, of Nablus. There was a massacre in Nablus today. A hundred people were shot. Ten were killed, including a man the same age as myself. Twenty-five are critically wounded. And of course, Iran has not answered yet for the Israeli attacks upon her. Can war really be boiling up in the Middle East while it rages in Eastern Europe? I'm afraid to tell you it can and it is, and it may not be the only war. North Korea launched several ballistic missiles Capable of landing in San Francisco down the California coast any time it likes. There were no nuclear warheads on board, but next time, who knows? There might be. Fasten your seat belts, Rick. Thank you. Yes. Um, no, I
3: wanted to ask you uh, just two questions, but they're both relating to Russia. Um, my first one. It's about uh, the Western hypocrisy on democracy, because I'm sure you're aware um, the lead singer of um, Pink Floyd, Roger Walters, um, made a speech in the UN Congress about how Russia were, uh, were provoked and had no choice in invading. Uh, and he didn't say anything offensive or really outlandish, just having a simple point of view. And um, basically, all of his tours in Krakow um, uh, in, in Poland, have been banned and cancelled. So, we're supposed to be a democratic country in Europe, in Poland, in England, the UK, um, all over, and yet they banned his his concert. So, there's no democracy there, and yet they accuse a Russia of all this censorship. So, I think it's disgusting beyond belief, and it's total hypocrisy. That was my first point. Um, now, my next point is about Bakhmud. Um I mean, I've got to say, I'm a bit, I'm a bit you know, missed by it all, because, you know, in the beginning, uh, when they were conquered the Donbass, they went to Soviet X quite comfortably in other areas. Uh, you know, it took a few months, and I know problems was very hard, but I'm just so surprised, such a great military, why it taking them eight months to conquer Bakhmut? Uh, uh, and I, I, I didn't think it would take this long, and you were saying that they're on the verge of conquering, but yeah, I think the leader of the Wagner group thinks he will conquer it in April. So, I just wanted to see what the difference is with George. Thank you.
2: Well, uh, I'm not, of course, a military expert. Neither am I a Russian, and I'm not speaking for Russia. I can only discern from all the sources available to me, uh, which are more, much more than to the general public, because I'm following sites in, uh, in various languages. Uh, and so on Uh, I have a multilingual family and circle so I am in possession of quite a lot of information and I do know that uh, the uh, villages around Bakhmut uh, fell today and that uh, in the next day, that's why I said by Sunday's show uh, I expect Bakhmut to have either been evacuated by Zelensky or to have fallen. It was important to Zelensky not uh, to evacuate before the anniversary, uh, on the 25th, Uh, but once that anniversary is by, I would expect that order uh, to be given. Uh, As to Russia's slow but sure uh, military progress, I think that's because As Putin put it, they're not at war with the people of Ukraine. And therefore, they don't want to destroy uh, the uh, people and the places in which the Ukrainians live. After all, these parts of eastern Ukraine where the fighting east of the Dnipro River, where the fighting is now, for the most part. uh, They will presumably, when this is over, Be Russian territory, the Russian-speaking people there, ethnically Russian people there, uh, are trapped. They're hostages, as Putin put it. And so I presume that the methods of warfare being employed are with that in mind. But there are certain red lines and provocations that could change that calculus. And one of those might be in Transnistria, as I referred to uh, earlier. Let's go, can we, to Mac in Arizona. Go ahead, Mac. Good evening, George. Good evening. Um, I had a uh, question,
3: and, uh, you know, it's, it's relevant today given the events in Palestine, but it's re- it's been relevant for a long time now, and we, we see the calculated non-interest of the Anglo-American governments and the Anglo-American legal communities. So my question is, George, what does the Anglo-American governments fail to understand about Zionism?
2: Uh, I don't think they've failed uh, at all to understand it. Uh, it uh, Zionism is, is Jewish nationalism, and the British, in the form of the Balfour Declaration, endorsed. Uh, Zionism uh, by granting uh, on behalf of one people uh, land to a second people which belonged to a third people and which didn't even fall in the British Empire at the time that the promise was made so it was unique even by imperial standards uh, for that time. Balfour on behalf of the British promised the Zionists on behalf of the Jewish people of the world, though most of them were not Zionists and many of them were viscerally hostile to Zionism, the land which belonged to a third people, the Palestinian people. So I don't think it's that they don't understand it. They support it. Uh, They support it because, in the words of uh, one of uh, Balfour's cabinet colleagues, Uh, it would produce a loyal British Ulster in the Middle East, and so it did. Uh, Now it's a loyal American uh, statelet in the Middle East, and that's something to have. And for a long time it threatened and countermanded, or undermined rather, uh, the relations of uh, the British and the Americans with the Arab world, but it doesn't really any longer. At least not with the rulers of the Arab world, who have all made their peace uh, with Zionism. So uh, now that that is the case, it's full speed ahead uh, in support of uh, of Israeli nationalism, which is all that Zionism now really means. Once Moz Berlin starts in German, very soon, you're not going to be able to shut the truth out any longer. Taking a break, and I'll be right to get letters like this. It's heartbreaking. The title used to be a fan. It's from Terry Monza. George, over many decades I was a fan of yours, but these times I do not understand you. When you said to Channel 4 News, fake news, I lost interest. Channel 4 News is not fake news. (laughs) It's written from Ward 5 in Broadmoor Hospital for the uh, criminally insane. Or, he's got me confused with someone else because I haven't said one word to Channel 4 News in many years. Not even the words fake news, Terry. Why not look back at the interview and get back to me? Ronwell is in Chicago. Wants to talk about the war. Go ahead, Ronwell. Hello, Georgia. But by the way, uh, I couldn't
4: stop laughing about the uh, the part. Now about the uh, yes. about the war <laughs> thing. Um, in the right way, I, I was able to be one born person, and one thing I I could learn learn from him him is that. I saw someone on his um, channel, the Wombo Liberty Report, uh, said that how he ended the Ukrainian war, and he said we need to end the, the war now. And I have to agree with Wombo on that one because because in order to end the Ukrainian war, we need to negotiate now. And for Julius on also, so so that that's what I would yeah. say. Negotiate for but by having a diplomacy not some massive funding the Ukraine or whatever that is so
2: that's what I would say well uh, it's good Uh, very good I agree with it but uh, it's not uh, immediately on the prospect who would they send to negotiate with Mr. Lavrov Joe Biden seriously YouTube comments on the uh, YouTube community poll ABC Panda Not the West, only the US and NATO. In 2008, when the US insisted that Ukraine should join NATO, the President of France and the Chancellor of Germany all refused this idea. They didn't want Europe to be destabilised. Well, they're not opposing it now. Brian is in Canada, wants to talk about Scottish independence. I'm all ears, Brian. Go ahead.
4: Well don't get too excited George. This
5: is I'm a man of a certain age you know north American canadian uh, American bent and so uh one of our great hero our great writers of the day of us young radicals was good old Kurt Vonnegut. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not okay that point, well his alter yeah he's all he had an alter ego whose name I shall speak in a minute, but I can't help myself. I was like hey, you can use this joker if you want to anybody who's not listening. I said, as far as the Scottish Nationalist Party goes, something's looking awful fishy to me. First we had salmon. Now we've got sturgeon. Where are we going to get Kilgore trout? And that's the name of the man. (laughs) Kurt Vonnegut invented.
2: (laughs) Uh, Very good. Very good. I don't know what's going to happen next. You know uh, the consternation in uh, the White House? Uh, when Joe Biden announced that Britain's new prime minister was someone called Rashid Sanuk, it's looking like Scotland's new first minister will be somebody called Hamza Youssef. I personally hope so, because no one is more likely, more quickly, to utterly destroy the credibility of the bogus case for breaking up this small island, than Rashid Sanook working in double harness with Hamza Yusuf. Once upon a time, the British thought they should rule India. Now we've got Indians ruling us. Just you wait and see what the public reaction is likely to be. In Norway, the co-conspirator in the blowing up of the Nord Stream. How's it going down in the fjords, John? Hello, George. <laughs> nice to be on. Well, I
6: can tell you, many of the us Norwegians now, we feel ashamed. Very ashamed. Because this is the worst thing that has happened in Norway, in all times, actually. You see, Russia ha- is our neighbour. It was Russia that threw out the Germans in Denmark uh, during the war. And we have always had a good relationship with Russia. And that this government, uh, they are jumping when USA say jump. And they have jumped in, in Libya, they have jumped in, in, uh, in, in Kosovo, they have, <laughs> they have jumped all over when the Russians say they shall jump. So now this is the worst thing that has happened to the Norwegians. So we can, we are now waiting for the news to break loose here and see how long this government can stay on.
2: Well, that's a very beautiful call and a very important one, uh, John. Um, of course, uh, I just learned in depth today about the role that the Norway Special Boat Services played in assisting the United States invasion and occupation of Vietnam. I was completely unaware of that. At that time, one imagined that uh, Norway was some kind of cuddly, social-democratic, Scandinavian idyll, but in fact they were secretly up to their ears in assisting the U.S. massacres in Vietnam. Uh, So I think partly... Just like my own country, uh, there are too many people who have a rose-colored, spectacled view uh, of their own country's role in events. But it will be interesting uh, to see what the impact on public opinion is in Norway when the Seymour Hirsch story really begins to, to rumble through the fjords. Thank you, John, in Norway. David is in California, in Orange County and wants to talk about putin go ahead david yeah how you doing george been a while since i talked to you been a long
4: time actually hey i got a new poll question for you okay ask your ask your viewers would they rather have putin for president rather than the
2: numnucks they got <laughs> it's a good question it's a good question actually I think you'd be surprised at the result, David. Who, who would you rather have running your country? Putin, A, okay. nuts. B. I, I think that's a great, great question, a great poll. I'll put it to the editor. Last word to you, oh, David. Okay. Say hi to my Land Rover buddies. I used to work for Land Rover here in Oxnard. Okay, <laughs> I will do. Thank you very much. Uh, Rashid is in California. But not Rashid Sanouk, I hope. (laughs) Go ahead, Rashid. George, how are
5: you? Uh, George, uh, based on the comments you had or discussion you had with your previous guests who pointed out the uh, travesty of what's happening in Syria and in uh, the occupied territories, um, it's, as you pointed out, the double standard of what the Western nations do and are concerned about in one arena and how they're indifferent to it in another arena And I would just add to that that if you look at um, just Western nations in general, uh, the average person has very little influence on what the government does. And when you throw into the fact over the last 20, 30 years, you have had this factory of young leaders uh, selected by the World Economic Forum and the Davos crowd, there's like a higher power that these people follow. And they're more interested in addressing the concerns of that ulterior organization rather than the working people of each state. So I would impress upon the audience that uh, for an average Joe in America, we're concerned about Palestine. We're concerned about the Georgians, We're concerned about what's happening in Ukraine as much as the next person. But the nature of our structure of our governance and our elections just does not allow us to impact that process without taking really... Extreme actions.
2: Well, uh, I get that, uh, although at election time uh, every one of us has exactly the same amount of power in our hands at the ballot box, if we all voted in the same way and it was the right way, uh, we would change the political class. So those responsible for persuading the people to do so have clearly failed. Uh, I don't mean that to be uh, damning or derogatory. I have completely failed myself in my own country. Uh, but we have completely failed the so-called left or the socialists, the anti-imperialists. We have uh, miserably failed to persuade our fellow man and woman, our neighbor, our workmate, person who lives down the road, the person who Uh, goes to the same uh, clubs and so on, we've completely failed. And that's why they can still get away with it. Until that changes, this factory that you mentioned will keep on churning out these leaders. Although I'm not sure Joe Biden can be described as a young leader. Thanks,
1: Rashid. Yes, sir, uh, we'll leave it at that. And, uh, Alhamdulillah, the lovely contents. I hope you enjoyed the program as much as I did, because uh, starting off with uh, George Galloway there at the Oxford Union, highlighting the hypocrisy of uh, Britain, and then uh, moving on uh, to Jack Hindle, uh, the politician analyst, talking about Biden doing, uh, the, you know, uh, what is Biden doing? He's doing the bidding on behalf of uh, the uh, Armaments industry and supplying armaments left, right, and center. And uh, the other thing it does, it says the United States, uh, uh, you know, they are running on uh, dilapidated uh, infrastructure. I mean, they are, look at the railway system, look at the bridges, uh, look at what's happening around America. The, there is no health care center for the people. Uh, you know, the health uh, people are sick in the country, uh, people are homeless. And uh, well, America has been reminded uh, by uh, Putin that uh, you are so, uh, you know, you are hell-bent on going and interfering in the affairs of other countries and uh, you are also spending billions and billions on, uh, uh, you know, regime change in other countries. But look at what's happening within your own country, what's happening to your people and what's happening uh, to you as a society. And, uh, you know, Putin says... That he will uh, definitely take care of his people, the rich heritage that the Russians have, and that uh, his people come first and they will get what they deserve the dignity, honor, and uh, their religion and the culture will be intact, unlike uh, the West, which is uh, turning to a godless state. And you know what he's uh, talking about? He's definitely talking about uh, uh, the senseless uh, syllabus that are being introduced and the minds of children being captured to think. Otherwise, then, uh, to think on the straight and narrow and according to um, divine decree. So, in other words, uh, the West is in a decadent and depraved mood away. That is what uh, Putin is saying. And (coughs) many, many will not uh, disagree with uh, Vladimir Putin. And uh, he says, uh, we are edging to a nuclear war, literally, you know, by... uh, United States of America telling China, no, you shouldn't be friends with Russia. And if you are doing, there will be repercussions. And this is a warning from Pentagon, the Pentagon. And they said, if you are going to carry on on this path of being friends with uh, Putin and Russia, then uh, beware, there will be consequences. Uh, Treating uh, China like a... You know, it's like it's one of its uh, satellite states and that is not the reality of the whole thing. Well, I'd like to thank you for tuning in on uh, to this uh, program. Wasail Al-Elam Sadiqa, Truthful News. Also, thank you, Lucalo, for doing uh, brilliant engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for lovely programming and also lovely nasheeds interspersed. Uh, From the team and I, uh, until we uh, meet you again. We bid you as warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.